you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Titus chapter 3. Um, if you don't, the scripture we're looking at is in your bulletin. It's on the inside cover of the bulletin. We're going to be looking at Titus chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. So friends, listen. This is God's Word. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division... After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. This is God's Word. So we are ending our series today on spiritual life made simple. Uh, We've been seeing how the book of Titus outlines the main things that God says are needed for our spiritual growth and our spiritual health. And so just to review what we've seen so far, uh, we've seen that uh, spiritual life begins with God, right? This God who promises to bring spiritual health, right? He gives us eternal life. And then second, it, it involves elders, right? We all need elders who are spiritual leaders who will lead you to know this God and his promises. And then third, uh, community is vital. Community is absolutely essential for your spiritual life, right? Community both gives to you and it receives from you um, in the healthiest way. And then fourth, we saw a couple weeks ago um, that spiritual life involves grace. It involves grace from beginning to end because grace gives us spiritual hope and strength. And so what's next, right? What's left? If we've got this, this is all we need, right? Well, Titus or Paul through Titus And God to us today says, oh no, there's one more thing. What's next, what's left, is that you also need relationships with non-Christians. You need relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And not just relationships, but there's particular ways that you should engage in relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Um, Paul finishes the teaching of this letter by highlighting the way that God wants his people to relate to non-Christians. And so as we start this, um, for those of you who are here and you're not Christians, we're glad you're here, and my hope is that you're going to appreciate this. 
is that you're going to appreciate what the Bible says to Christians and how they ought to act toward people who don't believe what they believe. Um, I think there's going to be a strong difference between what the Bible says and what most non-Christians experience from the Christian world around them. I think a lot of Christians or non-Christians would appreciate a Christianity and a church that lives out what Paul says here in these verses. And so, we're going to look at this in three points. I'll just give you the first one now. Um, Relationships fueled by the Gospel. This is the first thing we see here. And this is verses 1 and 2. Look there, verse 1 is about attitudes. Right? These are the attitudes that you need to have toward people who don't believe what you believe. It says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready for every good work. Okay, so this is an attitude. This is what Christians should be known for. And I just love the phrase, they are ready for every good work. Right? They're ready for every good work. It's as though you are prepared so that if any opportunity to do good comes near you, you jump on it. Okay, that's the attitude that we need to have toward people who are around us. Right? This idea of being submissive, right? It says be submissive to rulers and authorities. And we saw this a few weeks ago. Being submissive, it means having the attitude of, how can I help? Okay, this doesn't mean doormat. This doesn't mean you just sort of like acquiesce to anything that goes on, that you never oppose evil or anything like that. It doesn't mean that at all. Uh, But what it means is you have the attitude of, how can I help? How can I make this situation better? And I want to ask, is this your attitude toward the rulers and authorities in your life? Are you ready for every good work? Do you go to work with the attitude of, how can I help? How can I make my boss better? How can I make my employees more effective? Think about the government. What's your attitude toward our government? I mean, it's easy for us to get angry and to get bitter at the authorities in our lives. It's easy for us, right, to just to harbor inside of ourselves a real hatred for people that, that we don't like or that don't do things that, or, or that do things that we think are evil, right? And especially when we become Christians, this, there, there's a pride and an arrogance that sometimes creeps into our hearts and makes us think that we're better because we know the truth. Because they are evil. And Paul says, no, that's not the attitude of God's people. So verse 1 is the attitude. Verse 2 are the words that come from our mouths. And it's not just the attitude that needs to be right, but the words that needs to be, they need to be connected. Okay, how do we talk about others? How do we talk to others? That's what's being addressed in verse 2. Right? Paul says, consistent with the attitude of being ready for every good work, being submissive, Paul says, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. All people. It's really interesting. The Greek word for all means all. So there's no room for insults. Right? You're not looking for a fight. And how often does this characterize the words that we speak? It could be about our boss, it could be in the workplace, it could be about our family, our spouses. I mean, the, how do you talk about 
the people in your life? How do you talk to them? You think about politics and religion, especially. Like these are areas where some of us, um, we just really want to fight. We want to argue. We want to be right. Paul says, no, there's no room for insults. You're not looking for a fight. Now, this doesn't mean that you agree with everything that everybody else says. Okay? It's got to be clear. And just because you're not fighting with somebody doesn't mean that you agree with them necessarily. We're talking about how. We're talking about an attitude that says, how can I help this situation? How can I help this person? Will arguing with them, will picking a fight with them actually help? Usually not. So this doesn't mean that you agree with everything. But what it does mean, what it does mean is that you will be treated unfairly. Okay? You are going to be treated unfairly if you act this way. Because you're not going to be responding to people in the way that they are responding to you. You are going to end up absorbing more punishment than you dish out. You with me? So you're going to suffer. But so is Jesus. Right? So did Jesus. As I was thinking about this, it reminded me, remember in the movie 42, the Jackie Robinson movie? The scene where Jackie is talking with the general manager of the Dodgers, and the general manager says this, he says, people are not going to like you. They're going to do anything to get you to react. If you echo a curse with a curse, they will hear only yours. If you follow a blow with a blow, they'll say, oh, a Negro lost his temper. Your enemy will be out in force and you cannot meet him on his low ground. He said, we win if the world is convinced of two things, that you are a fine gentleman and a great baseball player. We win if the world is convinced that you're a fine gentleman and a great baseball player. And so Jackie, with the, knowing what this is going to mean for him, he responds by saying, so you want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back. And the general manager looks him in the eye and says, no, I want a player with the guts not to fight back. Friends, that's what the gospel calls us to, is to have the guts and the strength and the character not to fight back. Because when Christians speak and think like this, then the gospel wins. Jesus wins. His reputation wins. And there will be people who will notice, and they will say, they might not say this to you, but they will say in their hearts, I don't believe what he or she believes, but sometimes I kind of wish I did. Because there's something in them. They're living for something, and they have a strength that I don't have. And so I'm inspired by this call. I'm excited to try to live this out. And if you're like me, you might feel that, that way too, but the issue for you and probably, I mean, the issue for me, probably for you is how do you do this when it's hard? Right? How do you do this when it's hard? 
I think that's what the rest of this passage is about. The rest of this passage tells you what to do when this is hard. Okay? And the first thing it says is point two. Is that you need to remember that before the gospel, you were like them. Okay? Before the gospel, you were like them. Look at verse 3. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And in every way that you would criticize or revile or um, quarrel with other people, like in every way that you would criticize other people, you have been that way. Before the gospel got a hold of your life, you were that way. And so the gospel even itself reminds you that you were just like the people that you are prone to criticize in your mind and in your words. If you remember this, it will make you more understanding of them. Because you were one. (laughs) You were just like them. You'll identify with them more if you remember this. Right? It'll create real conversations, actually, because when you stop and think, how have I been like this? It'll help you actually connect in real ways and not just call names, not just pick a fight, not just argue back and forth. I think, too, if, if we're honest, I know if I'm honest, it's not just before the gospel that you were like them, right? I mean, we all have times when, even now, we are just like them. Enslaved to passions and pleasures, passing our days in envy, in malice, foolish, disobedient, led astray. And again, like this is the honesty that if we have before God, it will help us to have good relationships with people who don't know Him yet. The attitude, again, is, is that, look, we are ready to serve and we are humble because we know I was in exactly the same place. And if, if you're thinking, hey, wait a second, verse 3, like, I don't think I was ever this bad. Well, I mean, there's a few ways we can answer that. I think the way I'd encourage you to answer that now is, so the folks you're criticizing, they're probably not as bad either. But you're still just like them. And so, before the gospel, you were like them. Our third point is that before the gospel, God was like Jesus. God was like Jesus. Now, I don't mean that God and Jesus are not one God, but what I want to help you understand is in verses 4 through 7, this passage communicates the way God responded to you when you were like them. Okay, God's response to you was Jesus. He came as Jesus. And look at what he did. And, and, and Paul gets right at the heart of the issue here. He gets right at the place that will change us on the inside. 
It'll change the way that we think about our relationships with non-Christians. It'll change the way we think about ourselves. Because yes, it's a struggle to care about people this way, especially when they don't agree with you, especially when they might be out to get you, especially when they describe you in ways that are just so false and not true because they don't understand you, right? But remember how God treated you when you were that way toward him. Because we were verse 3, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. So when you approached God, or even before you even approached God, when you were ignoring God in your life, right? when you wanted nothing to do with Him, or when you only wanted Him when it was convenient, right? during the times when you obeyed Him, when it was good for you, but if it wasn't good for you, then you did what you wanted. Right? How did God respond? God came as Jesus and saved you. God's first response to our bad attitudes, to our life apart from Him, is goodness, verse 4, loving kindness, and God appearing as a Savior. This is what God has done for you if you're a believer. This is how God responded to you. This is his response to you. And it's so clear. Look at verse 5. He saved us not because of anything we did. He didn't save you because you were good looking. He didn't save you because you were moral. He didn't save you because you were obedient. He didn't save you because you tried hard. Not by works of righteousness done by us. But according to his own mercy. According to his own mercy. Because that's the kind of God he is. And so we don't earn it. And the implication here, it's so clear here, is that if we didn't earn it before God, then no one in your life needs to earn it from you. No one needs to earn or deserve to be treated this way. Because when you, when you, before the gospel, God treated you this way. And so he washed us. Right? He washed us. The end of verse 5. He made us new inside with regeneration and renewal. He gave us himself in the Holy Spirit. Right? Through Jesus, we are now justified. That means we are accepted, forgiven. We are made perfect in His sight. And He did this by His grace. Because we didn't earn it. You did nothing to earn it. Therefore, right? Therefore, how should we treat others? Our hope is completely in the finished work of Christ. He saved us. It's past tense. All the change that goes on in our lives, all the difference that God makes in our lives is because He's already loved us. We don't strive and work so that we can receive more from Him. He's given us everything. He's given us everything. All the change in our lives comes because of God's extravagant grace. This is God's face to you. Right? Picture a God. 
who would respond to your rebellion, respond to your ignoring him, respond to your living life however you wanted. And then he saved you and he welcomes you back in. Imagine what a person who would do that. Imagine the face on them. Imagine their arms open wide. Paul says this is why you need to have the attitude toward all people. How can I help? How can I be a blessing to you? This is why we submit to others. Because God himself came submitting to your needs. Your needs for forgiveness. God submitted to those needs, hung on a cross, so that you would be willing to do what's hard. And so that his reputation could win. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is awe-inspiring. Father, we want to be this way. We want to be people who are willing to sacrifice. We want to be people known and characterized by love and forgiveness, sacrificial service. We want to be ready for every good work. And yet we see the reality in our lives. Father, we're just we're honest about how hard it is for us to live this way, how hard it is for us to treat people this way. Even in our families, it's hard for us to treat even the people that are on the inside who are part of us. And yet, when we remember how you've loved us, it changes everything. Thank you. Thank you for treating us this way so that we have your strength so that we might be able to treat others as you have treated us. God, what would our relationships look like if all of the non-Christians that we know got this from us? What would our city look like if every Christian were to treat every non-Christian like this? Father, we commit to being done with bad attitudes. We commit to being done with words that come out of our mouths that don't honor, don't build up. We want to help. Give us the strength. In Jesus' name, amen.